Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rabona podcast. Once again, Musa Kwonga, joined by Ryan Hahn and Michael De Silva to break down some of the most exciting action of European qualifiers, Holland, Germany, and then talking about England, Czech Republic. Let's go straight in, gentlemen, and start with Holland, Germany. What a game. What a game. I think it's a victory that Germany desperately needed. There's so many question marks over them at the moment, but the one thing that I think they'll be really encouraged from uh, in the last few games is the form of Leroy Sané. Yeah. He's establishing himself now as the guy in that forward line alongside Nabry. And it's easy to look back on it, but it's astonishing that he wasn't in the World Cup. Well, it's wild because, I mean, what, Germany came out with a 3-2 win away from home and he scored the opening goal, was instrumental in maintaining pressure in the final third, which eventually yielded a third goal. He wasn't directly involved in the third goal, but his pressure in the final third, his intensity, Mm. especially on the break when I think the Dutch came from Tunnel down to two all and look they might take it, but a crucial point in the game, he gave Germany attacking momentum and it paid off. Yeah, it kind of feels like it's turning into his team a little bit. You know, the older guys are kind of out; they've been cleared out now. And I don't know, he seems to he seems to be a little bit different this season. He was great last season, but he seems to like he's taking responsibility even. Are more. we just saying that? I'm not being funny. Are we? No, just, I don't think so. Really? No, I think there's something different about Sunny this year. I mean, he, well, it's not like he was bad last year at all, but. I don't know. Something. It's like he's grown. It's like a, yeah. a, a step up for sure. He I seems think. more complete, and he seems yeah. happier playing in the centre um, yeah. rather than just being an out-and-out winger. Can I be honest? He's seen off the threat of Riyad Mahrez at Man City. If you think <laughs> about that, Mahrez was brought in after the season Sané has had. Clearly, Sterling is one of the few guaranteed starters for City when fit, and Sané came in with that. He came up up against Mahrez. The disappointment, the devastation of missing out in the World Cup. Mm. And has risen to the challenge. Yeah. And he wasn't just great in this Netherlands victory as well. I mean, he was superb the other night. Um, Against Serbia. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Certainly in the second half in that game. So, yeah, it's it's great to see him vindicating his... uh, How about about vindication? We have to say Love has vindicated because, look, I mean, he's... I think it's too early to say he's vindicated. Yeah, we say that. But look, if you look at the pre-match criticism where he starts Emmanuel Neuer, even though Ter Stegen's playing wonderful football. Um, he leaves Royce on the bench for almost all the game until the last five minutes, and Royce comes on and, and creates assists, yeah. the winner. You know, he got everything right. It was very gutsy to start with Sané and, and Gnabry up front. Gnabry scores a superb goal, Thanks. cutting in and humiliating Virgil van Dijk. I mean, how often do you see van Dijk turn into a traffic cone? 
Oh, well, let's be... Hey, listen, he shimmied past him. And no, Van Dijk is an astonishing defender. And mm. Nabry was out here taking people to church. And Gundogan was on the bench too. Right. I mean... He came I mean, the lineup was weird. Yeah, we said, well, there's f- four centre-backs. Yeah. I mean, they were playing three at the back and then Kera on the right. Yeah, and then... So the midfield had three defenders in it as well with... Kira, Schultz and Kimmich. It's not a team that I thought would beat the Netherlands, to be honest. This Dutch team is good and better than it was, but mm. I think it's more fun than it was. And I don't think they're anywhere near the level of um, maybe, I don't know, like properly, for example, maybe seeing them in like a last four of like a made, of an yeah, international tournament. Right, yet. okay. Do you know what I mean? They're Holland, but they're not tournament Holland. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Nations League was really great for them and they were really fun but they haven't been so fun to watch for a quite a long time at international level. So yeah. I think it's, it's a similar thing with Ajax, actually, maybe. The Ajax, Ajax are really great. Yeah. But maybe when the expectation level rose with the Netherlands and the same with Ajax, I think you might see it that it might... I don't want to sound like a proper no, 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 joy like because I love speak. Ajax and I love no, watching it's... the Dutch, but, you know, a lack of expectation removes quite a lot of pressure. So mm. Nations League is prom nights and this was uni. This was like... <laughs> yeah. Germany were... It, it's, it's they weren't experienced. Experience is the wrong phrase, but they were efficient. They're wily. Germans efficient. No, but like just the. I want to cut in here that, because it, German efficiency is a myth. Yeah, absolutely. Like, wasn't, <laughs> the German. Yeah, the efficiency wasn't specifically German. It was more that Holland had chances to put this to bed. It should have been two one up. Right. Before Germany got their second. Yeah. I mean, Ryan Babel missed two absolute sitters, basically. Mm. The first one looked like a good save from Neuer, but actually, I don't, I think it was fairly comfortable. He telegraphed him. it as well. He opened and the, his body and up. the second one was straight at Neuer, and he really should have scored that. Right. Mm-hmm. And he got hooked at half time. So. Oh dear, yeah, it did say it all, didn't it? Yeah, and I think and that would have been interesting to see how Germany would have responded to that added pressure of being 2-1 down, because it was the first time they've won in the Netherlands against the Netherlands since 96. So it's been a long time, and they weren't amazing against Serbia, really. No. And I think that, if yeah, I mean, it's all, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda now, but it would have been interesting to see how they would have responded in the second half if they'd not been ahead following on from the Serbia result, but it doesn't matter now, so that was a waste of a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Quick mention for uh, Nabri as well. He, just like Sané, really, has, um, has found some, some comfort in the Germany team where he didn't before. Nabri, his, I mean, for Bayern Munich too, I mean, this is a guy who, who was sold by Arsenal for less than he should have been sold for, sent on loan to West Brom and various places. Then in Germany, after he was signed for Bayern, um, had spells at Bremen and Hoffenheim. Right. It's taken him a long time to you know, reach this point in his career. But if you want proof that he... <laughs> is at the top level. I mean, that second goal tonight is... It's the movement as well. It's the fact that in the Champions League as well, he's frequently been Bayern's most enterprising, dangerous player. If you look at the games where Hamas Rodriguez has been offered opportunities and hasn't shone, mm. and by contrast, Nabry has been ambitious, effective. And I, I, I drew the comparison before sort of a German Jesse Lingard. And what I mean by that is in terms of someone who's been on loan who's been maybe more of a late bloomer, who's got the talent, but you were always a little bit nervous that he wasn't going to make it. Mm. And, and But even more impressive, the guts to come back and be big at Bayern, that is... Uh, yeah. really I mean, he's impressive. only 23 still, remember. Yeah, but, he, yeah, but he's... But, is but he, he really? He yeah. is, he is, he is, oh. but, 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 he is only 23, but these days, 23 is, the expectations are so much greater. You know, if you look at how much younger players are excelling now and becoming central figures in teams, 
And 23 is also the age where your momentum of your career can spin out if you make one or two of the bad, you know, the wrong moves. Yeah, you could be a no man's land. Sold actually. by Arsenal for five million euros. Was it five? <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> to Werder Bremen. The key was, you know, when you go away, and he's a real lesson to anyone, when you make a move away from a club where you thought you might make or hoped you might make it, the, the most important thing is to bounce back really fast at the new club, wherever it is. I mean, we talk about this quite a lot on this podcast, but I think it shows just actually how under the radar the Bundesliga is. Really, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, I used the, the, the example of last week going to Hertha uh, Dortmund. Mm. I mean, considering Dortmund are the second biggest in terms of profile club in Germany, um, not a lot of press there mm. at all. Didn't really feel like an occasion. It was weird, really, because, say, for example, wherever Chelsea go or Arsenal go in the Premier League, there's going to be a lot of journalists kind of following those teams to away games. Right. You felt very much out of the limelight in terms of it being a, a spectacle or a game. And I think that's something that maybe we don't realise is what it's like for the Bundesliga on a global scale compared to the Premier League. So, you know, someone like Serge Gnabry coming through at Arsenal, actually in a weird way, going to Bayern, is, it's almost like less of a burden or less focus, right. weirdly than being at somewhere like Arsenal or whether he was at Spurs or Chelsea or somewhere like that. That makes actually total sense because look at how Dembele, Usman Dembele adapted to Barcelona. I think a lot of the initial problems were due to the scrutiny because when you're at Dortmund, as you know, as popular as Dortmund are, there is this really nice, not bubble, but an enclave in Dortmund. There's a sort of progressive spirit there. You can go and play your football and there's, there's freedom. People are generally happy as long as you're making an effort. Yeah. Whereas Barca, you've got to be the man every week. Mm. Yeah, Obviously, Germany won but a little bit of scrutiny on Holland's performance briefly. Van Dijk, a little disappointing, but you know, everyone has bad games. I don't want to dwell on that too much because these things happen. Did it unlucky with his slip before um, what Sunday's happened goal. It was just all of a sudden, just it was like, slipped. man down. He just slipped. He just slipped. It was just that. The boot company needs to have words because that, I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, they're humans on grass. Slips yeah, can well, happen. Yeah. <laughs> but still, like, the boot company, someone's got to be blamed. This he is, made, he made up for it with his goal. He did. Good he header. Did. Yeah, you know, looking at the the, the Dutch lineup, their defence is super strong. Their midfield is really nice. Why Naldum needs a the, shot? Why yeah, Naldum? That guy has been delivering. mad underrated. I just think the one thing they're missing is like a really solid forward. I mean, if you take the England forward line and put it in that Dutch team, then wow, you're cooking with gas. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you are. I was off into the distance just thinking about that. <laughs> the levels to that. The levels. Yeah, oh, we'll get to the I mean, later, and, and but... that's not a slight on Memphis Depay because I think he he has the potential to be that guy. I thought um, he was very good tonight. Yeah, I mean, really? imagine this Dutch side with a twenty-eight-year-old Robin van Persie up front. Mm. Good lord, mm. good lord, through the middle though, not wide through the middle. Yeah. That's that's nuts. Yeah, I mean, you look at the. We'll fast forward to England in a second, but that front three that came by accident because of the two injuries to Rashford and Lingard. That front three of Sancho, Sterling, Kane, I think it's the strongest England front three. Yeah. Mm. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying. We should get on to England. We'll, we'll get, get into it. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it now. Why not? Let's, let's go there. Let's go. Is there, there anything else we want to cover on Germany? There is, but I got so excited by well, the thought on, of let's, discussing. Let's reel it back. I want to just quickly flag up. I think Memphis was superb tonight, and I was really impressed by his use of both wide and central spaces. Uh, I don't think he was the weak link tonight, and I just think that if he gets the right foil, as you say, mm. then... The Dutch will be dangerous. He's yeah. a strange player, Memphis to buy. Yeah, because he is so brilliant in some moments, and then there's a moment know. he did a 360 in the second half, not in a dangerous position. No, but it was purely ornamental, and I was like, it didn't fool anybody. He just pirouetted on the ball. Yeah, and it was kind of wild. But you know, he had this this period at Manchester United, which 
you know, there were some good moments there, but ultimately right. it didn't work out. And I feel like it's almost like he's, he's just trying to prove himself constantly. He seems to make very hard work of simple decisions, which is never a good thing. If you look at all the very, very best players in the final third, they play superbly on the front foot. And uh, to be fair to him, in the, in the final third, I thought he was very direct. He drove forward. He was very creative. I just think he needs to sustain that over the course of a few seasons as opposed to bursts of four or five games. Yeah. yeah. And he's got the talent. Definitely. Yeah. And if, uh, if Justin Cliver makes the, you know, if he continues to develop in the way that it looks like he can, then maybe that forward line will be strengthened and they'll have... Could be the guy. Yeah. Could be. Should we talk about England now? Let's please, yes, yes, absolutely, please. <laughs> I'm really excited to talk about England. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that, that's a special thing. Isn't nice. that nice? Like, they've evolved since the World Cup. That's the exciting thing. Yeah, it's, it's nice. I was enjoying that Henderson-Rice midfield. <laughs> yeah. When Declan came on. Yeah. I think, you know, we, we mentioned briefly the, the forward line that England have got. Kane in the middle, Sterling on the left, Sancho on the right. I mean, that really is a, the best forward line I can remember. <laughs> I, I can't that. wait till they all line up at Real that. Madrid. I can't wait till oh, Raheem Sterling, Jadon Sancho and Harry Kane all go to Real Madrid. That's going to be incredible. It's just what they need. Never misses a week. <laughs> That's perfect. I, I, I hope Jadon Sancho doesn't go to Real Madrid. I'd be very happy to see that front line at club football level. But you know, if you, if you take those three and just kind of strengthen the midfield a bit, yeah. you know, you've got the likes of Foden coming through. Foden, Deli Ali, either side of yeah, Declan Rice, Ali, and then and then Rice, but uh, you know, behind. I think it's Harry it's just, Winks, Harry Winks, and Declan Rice in the middle of England midfield in a couple of years. That is a dangerous. Yeah. Let, let's break this down. You have a midfield three: Foden off the bench, <laughs> Deli Ali, and Winks, Winks, Rice, and Deli Ali. Hey, that is that's a problem. Winks still has some way to go in his development, I think. Yeah, yeah. And you still got Marcus Rashford and Jesse Lingard. Jesse I mean, Lingard, jeez. Theo Walcott to come back in. <laughs> oh my goodness, the veteran. Yeah. The gunslinger. <laughs> three O Walcott. You know, just, I want to break down that front three because I think people don't understand just what we saw. Like, yeah. Sterling, I mean, needs no further explanation. Harry Kane, the best number nine in the world. And Sancho, combination play, the goals will come at that level as well. They've mm. already come at the Bundesliga level. I mean, what, as a many assists this season a as few things Messi. weren't. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. A few things weren't coming off for him in the, in the first few minutes of the game. And you could hear the crowd kind of going, oh, like, it was like... It's the guy they're all going on about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah. that's wingers. That's he's what wingers do. He's 18 years old. He's no, but he's a winger. Yeah, but, oh. When this podcast goes out, he'll be 19. Oh, happy birthday, We have Jayden. been spoiled. <laughs> we, sorry, I have to say this. We've been spoiled by... A generation of abnormally good wingers. Mm. We've been spoiled. We've had Ribery and Robin, right? Before these guys arrived, and Damien Duff as well, before these guys arrived, wingers had one good get, had one outstanding game in three. Okay. Robin came along, along with Duff and you know, to, to an extent, and and they were amazing. Ryan Giggs was not amazing mm. more than one game in three. He wasn't. Sancho has come along and yeah. blown people away yeah. every single week. Mm. And not just, but in the Champions League. This yeah. is the thing. The thing about Jaden Sancho is that he's got the potential to make memes out of people. And that's, that's a really, like, <laughs> that's, that's a really oh special, you're not rubbish if you've got that. No, no. <laughs> no. You've got Raheem the Dream on one side. Oh my and you've got the meme maker on the other. Raheem the Dream. Yeah. You know I mean, that has to be the podcast title, Raheem the Dream. <laughs> yeah. We have to go there. I'm surprised. People must be using that. Let's use it now. I'm, that's my that's Make what I call him. Yeah, exactly. Sancho Corner and Raheem the Dream. Yeah. And he is, let's get real about Raheem Sterling. I know that a lot of people seem to have finally woken up about how great he is, but he's always been good. We were always and woke. He's, and he's always been an amazing player. Yeah, he's had some 
patchy form for England, but who the hell hasn't had patchy form for England over the last 20 years? Yeah. You know, I just love him, man. I just, I'm all in on... It's the on fact he's become a national story. darling with every step, with every piece. You know, whenever he gets um, written off, he responds beautifully. And the beauty is now, we have Gareth Southgate, you know, the coach of the England team, very forward-thinking, open-minded, progressive coach. He's just got the perfect infrastructure at the England level to push on from here. You look at that squad, and we've said it before, like during the World Cup, and I was maybe more guarded about it before, but you know, people, to credit people like Daniel Story and to the sport, with, uh, sport witness on Twitter, who are very much big advocates, very early as England team, there is something special about the spirit of this side. Yeah. And he epitomises that. Yeah, I mean, I just look forward to England games now, and I don't want to be one of these fair-weather football fans, but it doesn't matter whether they win or not so much for me. That's not the point. It's more of... Um, just the people who were there and for years and years and years it just felt they just felt so different and I know they're footballers and this is all kind of like whoa, 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 whatever but now it just feels like um, it's a, re- right? a, a really exciting group yeah. you can and relate to them weirdly enough it's just they seem I think we said it on the podcast yeah. before they remind me of obviously they're much better but the like the makeup of the team is it reminds me of teams that I've played for right you know? and just talking about when on the odd occasion that Sancho doesn't doesn't have a good game. You've got Hudson Adoy. Oh my on the goodness! Bench. This guy, the depth. He's a powerhouse. He's the real deal. Yeah, he really is. England, this... England are like legit. You yeah. know, for sure, they're for and real. It's felt yeah. it's felt a very long time since we've been able to say that. Even yeah. the quote unquote golden generation, they were never a team that I think you could properly take for real. Well, they weren't a team. Exactly, no. exactly. And I think that kind of goes to what I was saying before about feeling way more connected to this England team in a way because it's it feels like a team as mm. opposed to just the best 10 players or 11 players at their clubs yeah. in they go kind of thing. Yeah. What's funny about this England team as well, that win over Spain was big because Spain were mounting a bit of resurgence under Luis Enrique mm. and that, it killed Spain's momentum. Like mm. that was such a kind of moment where, you know, it was, oh, you know, Spain, they're really all that and England just cut through them. Yeah, I mean, looking ahead, the Euros are a little over a year away. If the tournament was played today, France would still be the favourites. But yeah. England are, are right in there. Um, Croatia, um, you know, since the World Cup, they've dropped off significantly. And, you know, you're looking around Europe and England and France seem to be leading the way. The best thing you can say about this England team at the moment is that they could go toe-to-toe with any team in the right. world on a football level. Yeah, that's right. Which right. is the first time we've been able to say that, I think, for a long, long time. Maybe even since like 1990. But really. if you are going to take England and France as the as the, the, the best two teams in Europe right now, France have the edge because of the defence. That's where England, I think... Oh, but I don't know the, forward, the French forward line. That thing is brutal. Of course, of course. But... but but I think there's a more significant difference okay, in, that's the, in the two teams' defences. Oh, right. So, if, yeah, France, France's ability to absorb. I, what I love about France is the way they learned from their 1-0 loss to Germany in the World Cup 2014, when they just got the early goal from Hummels and they got snuffed out. Cool the final, and yeah. then you look at the evolution of that, the semi-final against Belgium, when it was just lights out. For Adam T. I mean, Laporte can't get a game. You can't get in the squad. That's yeah. how good they are. I mean, wow. it's wild. Yeah, I think England, I still have, if I'm going to kind of get a little bit negative, I still yeah. worry a little bit about Pickford being the number one. I mean, I think he's a great keeper, yeah. but I think he's, I think you would ideally want a better keeper. What did uh, Marco Silva say about him recently? That he needs to balance his emotions or something. It was like a, a really kind of diplomatic way of saying, chill out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could just imagine that Whatever party Jordan Pickford's at, he's the most hype guy there. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 
just, I, can, I have an image in my head. Can I be harsh as well? Sometimes, if you look at the great Spain team, they had goalkeeping depth. They had three, you know, Pepe Reina couldn't get a game and he was playing out of his mind. You mm. need that depth at goalkeeping level yeah. because it, it keeps everyone in check, in line. Yeah, yeah there's not I really, mean, there's not really, the, the competition for places there is no. a bit weak, isn't I mean, it? Pickford, yeah. Tom Heaton and Jack Butland yeah. were the three keepers in the squad this time around, which, it's, I mean, if you're going to... It's good, but nitpick, it's not, yeah, it needs a bit of a tweak. It needs yeah, I depth. mean, maybe, like, maybe a, a, you know, a next level goalkeeper and another next level centre back and yeah. I think England would be can we just pull someone in after Brexit can we just like offer a visa settle status to someone non-EU and just like fast track someone it might be know. the wrong time to ask me so. well, listen. <laughs> and also this is the <laughs> latest like a little bit of uh, you know this is the latest we've ever recorded a podcast before so I'm not I'm not in a place to think about that kind of stuff <laughs> <laughs> one player I'm surprised um, and a little disappointed that wasn't in the, the squad is um, Juan Basaka he's having an absolutely incredible season for Crystal Palace and there's a reason why teams like Manchester United Spurs are looking at him uh, in the summer. He's been playing out of his skin. And for me, I think he should at the very least be in the squad. His time will come though, for sure. He'd be a handy person to have in there for sure, Yeah, I think. I can't believe a Crystal Palace, a former Crystal mm. Palace man like Southgate has not got his eye firmly on that. Yeah. And also shout out to the incredible job Roy Hodgson has done under the radar at Palace. Hey, we've always, <laughs> Solid, been, hey. We've always been pro Roy on this podcast. Roy came, Roy came correct. Uh, do you know what was, was weird about this England team though, was that they had the Irish player of the year playing in midfield. <laughs> Wild. Ken Early's actually written a very interesting piece on that. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah. Really? You guys should check it out. Was it was that the piece that was about dual nationality mm-hmm. in general? Yeah. Oh, wicked. Yeah. I didn't know Ken wrote that. Hey. Trust him, though, to always go a bit deeper on that. I love those analyses, actually. I look forward to reading that. We're recording ahead of the Montenegro game, so this could all be <laughs> completely useless <laughs> <laughs> after the 4-0 win for Montenegro. Yeah. But just jumping somewhere else quickly, I want to talk about France very briefly because mm. they had a 4-1 win. I'm going to talk um, about Pogba's assist. Not just Pogba's assist. I mean, Evan, well, Pogba to Griezmann, I mean, that's the oldest combo. You know, it's the most, it's the most oh. trusted combo in international football right now, isn't it? So blase. Pogba, well, come on, Pogba Griezmann. But just fascinating how France at the moment are in a sort of slight state of grace. They're, you always feel like they're kind of second or third gear. And they've just got that ability to escalate, which is why they're the favourites, not mm. just because they're so good, but because rather like the France team that won the World Cup in 98, you feel like the Euros now could be a kind of crowning glory moment if they just carry on delivering. Because you look at the France players who are front runners, you know, Giroud obviously is kind of on the way out. Dembele stepped up big time. Martial has really improved. Mbappe has assumed the mantle. He's now much more comfortable through the middle. And Pogba, you know, for France is the man is comfortable in that role. Griezmann, you know, has had a difficult season with Atleti, but his own standards haven't dropped. Mm. So yeah, France for the next year are just looking... Oh. The thing about France, yeah. which is weird, is that um, Deschamps took them to a World Cup win, right. but you kind of maybe feel that under another coach, they could really go wild. Perhaps yeah. the same as 98. Is that same? Yeah. With Jacquet in 98, it was the same thing. And it's a weird thing with Deschamps, because you're wondering actually, yeah. how is he... How good of it sounds a bizarre thing to even say after a country's just won the World Cup. How well suited is he to this group of players in terms of playing style? Yeah, it's just like he's holding them back slightly, a little bit. But they've just won the World Cup, yeah, so they literally so can't, can't do any more than yeah, that. Yeah, like yeah. the other thing I find interesting about France is the difference in terms of positions in the squad from even like a year ago. Right, look at like Thomas Lamar now. You know how far Martial has gone ahead of him, really, in terms of the pecking order and Dembele as well. Lacazette's going to be back in the shout soon. Lacazette has to be back in. It's got to be totally with those feet, the quick feet. My goodness. Yeah. Shall we take a quick break? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. 
All right, back from the break. Another massive week for women's football. Barclays announced they're going to be sponsoring the Women's Super League. I love that. Me I too, that. actually. Huge. Yeah, and it came a couple of days after it was announced that Yeovil would probably have to go back to being semi-pro because they didn't have the money. Mm. So that's massive. It's huge. I think, I think it's really good. Maybe it will act as a catalyst for the other leagues around Europe to raise their game as well. But the thing, the thing with this is what, what interests me about this is Barclays, look, they make safe bets. Yeah, and this to them, like you look at the attendances, you see Atleti, Barca, what sixty thousand? I think they got the other day, and then you, Juve, Fiorentina today, almost thirty nine thousand, yeah. yeah, almost forty thousand. You know these attendances, and the fact that now you've got people endorsing the game. Uh, it was really nice to see actually David Luiz, shout out David Luiz. I think it was at PSG yeah, was at Chelsea, wasn't he? That yeah. was great. It's just really nice to see the game on its own steam bringing in the money, like Barclays. Are bringing the cash, but that's because they've seen the revenues available already. Yeah, and I think that's so great. I think we chatted on the was it on the future one we did after the the FA Cup weekend. Yeah, and we were saying that you know like when the brands know what's up, kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Like I think that's a key thing. When you and the women's seeing... game, they built that. Let's give them full credit. They built that, and I'm so glad to see that getting rewarded with the investment it deserves. Hundred yeah, percent, amazing. Um, in the women's Super League, Arsenal went back on top. They won five one, five one against Liverpool. Liverpool. Away. Uh, Viv Medima, by the way, if anyone hasn't seen that goal where she sits three people down on the edge of the box. It's a cleansing. I think she's got 20 goals already this season. She's amazing. I'm such a fan of those goals which leave defenders strewn like confetti. Just like that. Uh, do you know what it always reminds me of? And I know I'm going to sound like such a homer here. Do you know which one I'm going to say? Uh, it's all against Ludogorets. Oh, against Ludogorets. Yeah, when, you know, when, when, a, when a player can send like three opposition players into another dimension. Yeah. It actually reminded know. me more of Messi, I think against uh, Sevilla, oh. when he sat them down. Do you yeah, remember that? Yeah. Oh, or Malaga, Sevilla or Malaga, where he, last season, where he shimmies into the box and then like dummies, and they literally just sit down. <laughs> I'm thinking of Boateng also against oh, Messi. yeah. Well, they wasn't more of a no. This more because a, they, they were sitting down like yeah. they actually all in like a light like they were an audience. <laughs> On that um, that that Boateng Messi incident, I always remember an amazing tweet from Ian McIntosh about that. Where he said, "Do you remember we've spoken about the this. one?" Yeah. <laughs> so basically, the, one of the things I love about Twitter when good games like that are on is there's like a shared experience on Twitter. <laughs> oh, no, of the that's game. the best thing. And Ian McIntosh wrote an amazing tweet saying that if you slow down the replay enough, you can actually see the moment where Messi leans over and takes Boateng's batteries out. <laughs> oh, 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 poor Boateng. <laughs> no one's ever put them back in. No. Yeah. Hey, speaking of, oh, Jerome, my man. Oh, listen, no, oh, I didn't even. Hey, clock, hey, it took me a while to clock how harsh that was. Jerome, Jerome, oh. listen, listen. Uh, so much love for you on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. He's a Berlin boy, man. Jerome, you ran so we could all walk. We could walk. Um, but anyway, Arsenal are top of the Women's Super League and it, it, there's not long to go. So that that, that is... Oh, it's so weird. Man City haven't lost a domestic game this season, a second. That's bizarre. Elsewhere, yeah, the Juve game. Juve won one nil. They played it in the Allianz Stadium. Um, I think it was a sellout. 40,000 in total. Yeah, 40-odd, 45, something like that. Yeah. Shout out to Eni Aluko. No doubt. And Women's Champions League. Are you going? I'm trying to get to Leon Wolfsburg. At Wolfsburg. Yeah, so Wolfsburg, Leon. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm trying to go leg. as well. So maybe yeah, we'll go awesome. to that little I'm midweek. Involved, yeah. It's only an hour and a half on the train. Yeah. That's set up really nicely, that second leg of Leon, Wolfsburg. It was 2-1 from the first leg. Uh, Leon went 2-0 up and I thought it was going to be a bit of a, a route. But um, they got back into it. Barca are already 3-0 up in theirs. Chelsea, would they win 2-0? Yeah, it was 2-0. What was the other game? Oh, Bayern drew one all in, against Slavia Prague in Prague. That was a bit disappointing. You've had oh. to go through and come back, though. Yeah, you assume so. Yeah. And uh, actually, Frauen Bundesliga, Essen won goal scored by Leia Schuler. 
Yeah, so you interviewed for Rabona website. Yeah, piece up on the Rabona website from late. I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's like the first feature on here in English, which is cool. But uh, yeah, young German striker, probably going to, well, pretty much going to the World Cup. Rabona wants to head ahead of the game. And <laughs> check out, listen, you've got to plug it. And yeah, the website, lots of new content from us on there. Yeah, there's loads of stuff going up this week. Your Robin Hood piece went up. Footballers who are like Robin Hood. Received very well. Oh, that's very nice to hear. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, what else did we have? Yeah, the Leia Schuller piece and the Johan Cruyff Rabona selects went up. That's right. That's up by the time you've heard this. Oh, before I forget, before we go, can I shout out StatZone because I just love the numbers they bring out. I've been trying to mull over some uh, longer pieces uh, for Rabona and they've been really helpful in putting that together. So thank you, StatZone. Yeah, very useful. Quickest way to win an argument. All good. <laughs> All good. I really hope they start using that as their tagline. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and, uh, pay me for it. Gentlemen, it, um, is, it is next week because we are recording late. Well, it's almost next week. So we should probably uh, wrap up, I think. It's been a pleasure once again seeing you. You can find us, dear audience, at Rabonamag, all social media handles, Facebook, Instagram, all the rest. And yes, I uh, hope you've enjoyed it and we'll catch you soon.